You're listening to the Maritime Gardening Podcast, brought to you by Vessi Seeds. And today we're talking to Susan Poisoner. She's the author of book, the books Growing Urban Orchards and Grow Fruit Trees Fast as an award-winning fruit tree care training program. She's the host of the Urban Forestry Radio Show and Podcast, and is also an ISA certified arborist. She has a YouTube channel, and she founded the Ben Nobleman Park Community Orchard in Toronto in 2009. Susan, say hello. Hello. <laughs> and uh, you live in uh, Ontario? Is that correct? I do. I live in Toronto. Wow, in a big old city, in a big T-dot. And um, how did you get in, in, into, into all of this? Oh, my goodness. Well, I my background is I'm a journalist. I'm a filmmaker. I had nothing to do with gardening until I met my husband, Cliff. Um, and Cliff was really interested in gardening. And he grew up with it. He loved it. So he decided that he wanted to plant some stuff in the backyard and Cliff tends to go overboard. And I said, listen, you know, if you have to plant something like, you know, tomatoes, that's fine, but don't take too much space because I just knew he'd plant it. And then I would have to take care of everything. (laughs) So in the end, what happened was I went out, came back and what did he do? He planted up the whole backyard with all these tomatoes and all that stuff. And at first I was really mad, but then as the season went on, I absolutely fell in love with gardening. I, I just loved the taste of the tomatoes. I loved how magical it was. Um, my adventure continued in that, that I decided to sign up for a landscape design course. I would have made a terrible landscape designer, but (laughs) I learned so much about plants and that's when I realized that I absolutely love trees. And I should mention, that's what we're going to talk about growing trees. I should have mentioned that at the top. Uh, We're going to talk about growing trees because that is so my passion. So it started with a love of all trees, which I do have, because all trees, like they clean our air, they stabilize the soil, they beautify our communities, and they cool our communities. Amazing. And fruit trees do even more than that. They do all of those things. Plus, they nurture and feed us. Like, how amazing is that? So I became very interested in trees and ended up starting a community orchard in my local park. And that's where my adventure began. Wow. And you have uh, so you have fruit trees on your own property, but also in the park. Is that correct? Mostly in the park. In Um, in our own backyard, it's pretty small. We do have a Toronto after all. (laughs) Yeah, we have a fruiting cherry wall. And we had um, espalier apple trees. Unfortunately, sometimes you have soil that has a disease in it. And the disease is a bacterial disease. And either you have it or you don't. Turns out we have it. And our Mm. apple trees did not like it. Uh, so crown root gall. So we, uh, my backyard, I put all my energy into the park because right. my backyard's a little iffy. So far, the cherry fruiting wall is doing great, but you know I'm not holding my breath since I know that that disease is in the soil. Okay, so in the park, uh, so I guess I should ask: on what scale is the orchard there, and and what are you growing there? What how many different things do you got going on there? Well, it's a great question because at first the vision was this was a park nobody went to. It was just empty all the time. It was kind of scuzzy. It had a broken down playground. And our original vision was to have something like 36 trees in a more sort of standard orchardy 
structure with maybe big stones in between where people could sit and enjoy. Anyways, this was our dream. Turns out that people in the community did not like our dream, and some of them did not even want fruit trees at all. So in the end, I think we have about 18 trees. They are sprinkled around the edge of the park. And by the way, even those people who did not like the idea absolutely love what it's done to the park today. Right, right, right. Those fruit trees have made that park into a favorite place for people to visit. And locals bring out their lawn chairs, they sit under the tree, they children come and draw the blossoms, like draw the trees and blossoms with their cloth. Anyways, it transformed the park. So we have about 18 trees, it includes apples, apricots, cherries, Asian pears, plums, multiple varieties of each of those. Then we have pawpaws and service berries. So pretty wide range. So we've been wow. able to learn about lots of different types of trees and how they grow differently. This is great because I wanted to ask you about pawpaws because I'm, intri I'm intrigued with uh, this fruit. Uh, we'll get into that a bit later. Uh, and I think I've got some service berries in my backyard as well. That's Saskatoon's the same thing. Saskatoon, right? same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, maybe we can talk about that too. Um, okay, so I got a bunch of questions I want to ask you here. So I might as well just dig in, dive into it here. So I, I decided I, I took a quick look at your YouTube channel and just uh, videos you've done, topics you've discussed and tried to think of like things I'm interested in, but also things I think my viewers are interested in. I mean, I've got a big garden in my backyard. I try to grow as much food as I can with as little work as possible. And fruit trees and berry bushes are great because they're not as much work as peppers or things like that you know like some some vegetables are very high maintenance um and some kinds of fruit trees are always actually i find bushes even easier than trees they don't seem to be as disease um prone but anyway maybe we could talk about that later as we go along here um the first thing i wanted to talk about is you got a person they've got a property or some plot or some land they got access to and they want to get into growing some fruit trees and you've got all these decisions to make. You go to a garden center and your first instinct is, I'm gonna get the biggest tree in the biggest pot that I can get because it's it's already started and it's further along. So small tree versus big tree, what's what's the better what's the better deal? What what's what's the better thing that's the better thing to buy? Let's say money's no object. What if money is an object? Like, you know, affordability, but also just what's the best choice either way? Greg, I'm so glad you asked that because um, the best chance you have at fruit tree growing success will happen if you do your research in advance. Mm -hmm. The worst experiences happen when you shoot from the hip. You go to the garden center and you think, oh, honey crisp apples. I love honey crisp apples. There's a nice tree. It looks big. Hey, there's even fruit hanging on it. So I get, you know, a really fast right. harvest. Fantastic. So here's the problem with that. A, those varieties that they carry in the garden center are amongst the hardest to grow. Yeah. These are commercially popular varieties that are grown with the help of pesticides and fungicides that we don't want to use in our backyard. And in fact, we're probably not allowed to use in our backyard. So first of all, the cultivars, that the selection of cultivars won't be ideal for home growers. They will be for people who shoot from the hip and just think, oh, I like Macintosh, I like Gala, I'll get those. So that's the first problem. 
The second problem is we humans, we are impatient. So we want a bigger tree. So you think, okay, I've got a head start. The problem is the bigger tree will give you a little bit of instant gratification. It might even have fruit hanging on it, but the tree will not adapt as well to its new environment because it's already kind of spoiled. It's been living in a pot. It's, you know, knows the soil it knows. You pop it in the ground and it's like, what is this soil? I'm not familiar with this. It does not adapt as well to its new environment. Third problem is one of the biggest tasks that we do, and one of the most joyful tasks, in my opinion, in order to keep our fruit trees healthy and productive is fruit tree pruning. And we do fruit tree pruning every year from the very first day that we plant our tree, especially if it's a bare root tree. Potted trees are different. With fruit tree pruning, we are sculpting the tree, essentially, so that it will create a strong fruit-bearing structure so it can hold a heavy harvest and so that every branch can get access to sunshine, which means then the fruit will ripen properly. When you have an older tree, you get a structure. It's already there. It's not ideal. And when we cut those branches, they're woody. So you're going to be creating more injuries. You just you're sculpting with clay that's half hardened up. Mm -hmm. So there are so many advantages to starting off with the youngest tree that you can find. And I would suggest instead of going to the garden center, look for a fruit tree nursery near you. And you guys have lots of them in your region, really good ones and get the youngest tree you can. Usually they're called whips. So it's, it'll look like a branch with roots and you'll plant it. And the day you plant it, you're going to make a whip cut, which means you're going to cut off the top third of the tree roughly. And um, then the growing adventure begins. The, The buds that remain get energized. They sprout. They start to create a structure for the tree. And from there, you use your pruning strategies to create that beautiful, open, strong fruit bearing structure that will last a lifetime. It will last 25 years plus. Right. Yeah, that's I mean, that was my second question. Whip, whip versus tree and pot. And I have come to the same uh, through the trial and error process you just described, the first tree I ever bought, I said, oh, I want to have some apple trees. And I went to a hardware store and I bought a, what I call a five tree, you know, where it's got five things on it. It's big and it had flowers and it had just like you said, all the things you see in the grocery store, Macintosh, Honeycrisp, uh, you know, a bunch of other things. Um, Red Delicious, the least delicious apple in the world and uh, two others. I can't remember what they are. Um, and yeah, the part of the problem with those is that you have zero degrees of freedom with pruning. Like every, Absolutely. every branch must stay. You can't get rid yeah. of, you got something in the wrong place. It just has to exist. Um, not only that, but like the, the very, I think the, the honey crisp was 16 inches off the ground. <laughs> so, and they actually grew pretty well, but like they're always on the ground. As soon as the tree got any, they just dip down and touch the ground, and all pest problems and stuff like that. Um, so eventually, and for those, uh, quick plug for my sponsor, Vesti Seeds, they sell whips, right? You get them in the mail. It comes in a box. It looks like it looks dead, but it's not. <laughs> Stick it in the ground. And I can't believe you stick a whip in the ground, it might be like two feet high. By the end of the year, it's four feet high. And 
you know, it seems to double in size every year. Uh, it's like an exponential growth sort of thing. And they're cheaper to buy as well. Exactly. And right. again, it's like adopting a baby versus adopting a teenager, right? That's when right. you adopt the teenager, they've already got their habits. Nothing wrong with adopting a teenager, but they're oh. going to be set in their ways, right? Right. Whereas the baby will adapt really well to your new environment. And there you go. Your example is such a perfect one. You plant these little guys and you give them that whip cut and boom, they grow fast and they will get bigger. They will, well, bigger if you want them, depending on how you prune it, but they will outperform the older trees any day. And they're healthy. Just and like give you them said, time. they're, they're, they're these, healthy. Like, instead of Macintosh, you get a Nova Mac, right? Yeah. And these yes. sorts of things, right? I've got a Sweet 16. Yes. And uh, what's the other one called? Maybe something Liberty something. Liberty. Liberty is a beautiful apple too. Yeah. It's like a, I can't remember what it's supposed to be like. <laughs> anyway, they're both growing really, really well, you know? Yeah. Um. So yeah. And, and of course, like you say, they, cause it's a bare root. They come when they come back to life. It's almost like they don't remember what soil they were started in. Yes. Right? So they're comfortable with your soil and you don't have that, that pot problem where you put, you dig a hole in your soil and you put this other soil in and you create a well. Yeah. Right. Like my soils, like a lot of soil here, it's all clay. Right. So if you dig a hole in clay and you stick vermiculite and all this, you know, potting soil in a clay hole, you've got. A, it's like a clay pot. It's a clay. It's basically a clay pot. You planted your tree in a clay pot. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. A clay pot underground. And so when you think about it, Greg, think about how far a healthy tree, how far the roots would go. So um, the roots will extend out to the edge of the canopy in a mature tree plus 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 it can yes. go twice the time of the extent of the canopy if you've planted your tree your potted tree in that clay pot in the ground essentially if your your ground is so you know heavy and rich in clay then you're going to have a pretty unstable and unhealthy tree because the roots can't keep reaching out to get more nutrition to more stability more access to water um, and I love, by the way, how you said that you get the bare root tree, you think it's dead. And it was such a wonderful thing for me to hear because it reminded me all those years ago when I first got a bare root tree and I'm thinking, is this okay? It's going to make it, you know, yeah. exactly. You get watching it every day to see the bud development. Like, yeah. oh, yes. yeah. Okay. It's and hopefully work. those buds are developing after you've planted it, because when you plant a bare root tree, it's like. Uh, a TV show that was on when I was growing up many, many moons ago, it was called beat the clock, right? right? So you had to, you have to plant this tree when you get it within hours, it's best within days for sure. Because if those buds open, when the tree is not in the ground, mm. it will go into total stress, freak mm. out and die. Right. So, <laughs> so that's the extra fun of, Plant, planting a uh, a bare root tree yeah yeah and and i guess i mean it's even uh, uh bushes berry bushes you can get those in bare root form as well it's i mean a lot of i think it's counterintuitive because we we think we want to go to the garden center and look at everything and you see it growing and you're drawn to the living plant in the pot um but a lot of these uh providers i mean i i plug vessi seeds but i've also um gotten stuff from uh, an ontario uh, grower called Wiffle Tree Farms. Have you used them? 
They have an extraordinary they, uh, they advertise on my podcast. Okay, They're yeah. advertisers on my podcast. Oh, They're wow. wonderful. Yeah. So here in Ontario, we have Wiffletree. They're wonderful. We have Silver Creek. They're wonderful. They'll all ship to all across Canada. Anywhere. Yeah. And you guys have some beautiful fruit specialist nurseries there too. So the, the choice is amazing. And when you get into these specialist nurseries like you with your situation, you got an apple tree that's called Liberty and it's called Liberty. There's another one called Freedom. But, you know, because you are liber well, you have the liberty of growing a tree without having to worry about diseases. It is a very disease resistant tree. Yes. Freedom is more appropriate in that way. But in terms of <laughs> names, freedom is also disease resistant. So, you know, by you are opening new doors by checking out those fruit tree nurseries and really delving into the catalogs and yeah. finding an easier to grow tree that will thrive in your unique location. Yes. And that was the way it was told to me that the Macintosh, it's this really popular. Um, and it makes sense that the, the garden centers would sell those trees because they've got their branding, right? Like you, every, you recognized, you know what it is, you know, you like it, you know, your family's going to like or whatever. Um, but the way it was explained to me is that the, the, the Macintosh is, is the most unresistant, <laughs> most pest friendly and disease friendly tree there is. You have to hit it with everything to successfully grow plant. And so it's, a, you know, you're, you're, you're creating so much, almost an impossible mission for yourself as a gardener to plant them. Uh, whereas something like a Nova Mac is a, that was developed right here in Nova Scotia, I think in Kentville, but it tastes like a Macintosh and it's just, I don't know, they just graft, not grafted it, but they, they cross it with something and they made a thing that tastes like a Macintosh that you don't have to spray with everything in the world to get it uh, Absolutely. Completion. So it's, yeah. it's the way to go. So I'm glad you answered yeah. the question that way. Um, what about, okay, we want to talk about uh, pruning because there's lots of, you know, there's a whole movement in gardening, not movement. How would I put that? A way of thinking where, you know, well, nature knows what it, nature knows what it wants, leave nature alone and everything will just be fine. And so the idea of pruning is like, well, what are you doing? Trees know what to do. Why are we pruning the tree, right? But then if you talk to experts, everybody prunes the trees. Um, and I suppose it's the right and wrong way to do it. But I guess I'll ask you, how, how important is pruning? So pruning is incredibly important. So I, um, I, yes, you hear that all the time. Nature knows how to grow its trees. It's true. Nature does know how to grow its trees. Now, depends what kind of tree we're working with. Now, as growers, we're working with grafted trees. So right. these are not trees from nature grown from seed. These right. are Franken trees, right? Yes. Each yeah, tree is made yeah. up of two trees. Yes, It's got the rootstock, which is one tree. And that, you know, gives the tree certain qualities, mature tree size, disease resistant, sometimes pest resistant, sometimes so the 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 rootstock contributes some stuff, and then it's grafted onto the fruiting wood, the top part of the tree, the trunk, and the branches that produce the exact type of fruit that we want to produce. Interestingly, when you graft those two pieces together, both trees retain their unique genetic identity. They never just mix together those genes. The bottom right. is still the bottom, the top is still the top. So we're already starting out with a situation that isn't exactly natural. There's lots of reasons why we prune fruit trees in particular, but let's just put it this way. 
Would you rather have hard fruit that is not really ripened properly, or would you prefer to have sweet, juicy, well-ripened fruit that has seen some sunshine? It's a no-brainer, right? If you have a canopy that is filled with branches that are all shading each other out, and all those branches form have fruit, the fruit will not ripen properly because it doesn't have access to the sun. So it'll kind of be hard and not very tasty. So part of your job when you are pruning is selectively removing branches to make sure that every single branch in that tree has access to sunshine, Mm -hmm. right? Every single branch. So instead of having a messy, hairy looking tree with a bunch of branches crisscrossing and rubbing up against each other, you've got such an open canopy that lots of air circulation can go through, the sunshine penetrates, and all the fruit will ripen properly. And I'll just throw out another. There's lots of reasons, but here's another reason. Fruit can be heavy. And so we need to create a structure with not a bunch of skinny little branches that will break with a heavy harvest on it. Mm -hmm. Instead, we want fewer branches that are stronger that can support that heavy harvest. Mm, yes. And I'll just throw another thing into the mix. If you have that messy, hairy canopy with all the branches hitting each other, you don't get a lot of air circulation. It yes. gets dark in there. Yeah. So let's say it rains and the leaves get wet, but they never really dry out because it's kind of shaded. Well, guess what? That's an awesome situation for fungal diseases. Fungal spores love damp, dark conditions. So one of the easiest ways to keep your fruit tree healthy and productive without having to use chemicals and fungicides is to prune it properly. Mm -hmm. I'm growing my fruit tree in a public park where we are not allowed to use pesticides and fungicides. And so our first line of defense is to have immaculately pruned trees, Uh, strategically pruned so that they stay healthy and productive. Right. So you got the airflow, you got the sunlight exposure, um, that sort of thing. That makes a lot of sense. I remember having it explained to me too, that like our goal and the tree's goal, even a tree in nature, we don't have the same goals, right? Like we want big, tasty, delicious, uh, immaculate fruit and the tree wants to get as big as it can get and and maybe make some seeds but it doesn't really it's it's not it's not on the same page as us it's 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 goals are different you know it it doesn't matter if the apples are this big or this big as long as there's some seeds and it falls to the ground and something eats it and goes away and poops over there and makes another like it doesn't really care um, about the things we care about. So pruning. Well, let me, let me put a different spin on it. Okay. I do agree. Yeah. But a fruit tree that's unpruned is like a teenager that never learned discipline. I don't know, or something like math, that. <laughs> math, exactly. Like a teenager who doesn't want to learn math. Right. Yes. So here's how I see it differently. That tree is our co-creator. Right. So we are working with the tree together yes. to create a beautiful, healthy harvest. And I feel that the tree's purpose is to feed, you know, one of its purposes, cleans the air, beautifies the environment, but also to nourish humans, animals, wildlife. 
So I feel, and I'm very connected to trees, as you can right. see, yes. I feel that by working together, we are all really happy. Just like right. the wild teenager that doesn't want to learn math mm -hmm. might be better off if they did learn a little bit They'll of math. They'll have more options down spelling. the line. <laughs> yeah, there's more options and a more peaceful relationship with mom and dad. Yes. Um, but fruit trees love to work with humans. And if a tree is neglected and wild, it will not only produce lots of little bits of fruit that the animals can eat, but it won't be a healthy tree because it'll have fungal diseases and pests because it's got nobody to love it. Right. right? Yes. Whereas if it has somebody to love it, then it gets to be healthy. It gets to feed people with good quality fruit. It's awesome. Right. <laughs> that's, that's great. You're, <laughs> I guess I'm too cynical. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, another question, because it's something you talk about in one of your videos is about thinning. So we, you talked about pruning and pruning is good. And you've got videos on pruning, I, I imagine. And there's lots of content online. And, and I've never done a pruning video because I prune my trees, but I don't feel like I'm an expert, even though I do what the experts do. Um, but uh, anyway, another thing you talk about is thinning fruit on young trees. Okay, so... Maybe talk about that a little bit. Why is that a good idea? You got a young tree, it's six feet high, not a big tree, and it's starting to produce some apples. Why would you just take some of those? I mean, maybe talk about what thinning the fruit is. Are you are you plucking off yeah. flowers or are you actually taking off apples before they form, um, choosing how many apples, it's just apples as an example. Um, so what are you doing and why are you doing it? So great, great question. So why do we thin the fruit? Um, so let's put it this way. So we've got this beautiful being, this gorgeous tree, and we want to work with it to create a beautiful harvest. The tree will have a limited amount of energy, especially a younger tree. And over the winter, uh, like over the fall, the tree has its green leaves in the summer. And in the fall, it brings in that nourishment from the leaves. And it puts all that nourishment and nutrition into its root system. It's like a pantry. It stores yeah. that nutrition over the winter and it keeps it doesn't grow too much over the winter. And in the spring, it's going to push out and use that energy to produce fruit. But it's only got a limited amount of energy. So if you let the every single fruitlet on the tree grow, each fruitlet will get a certain proportion of that energy. A share, okay, yeah, yeah. A yeah. share, but yeah. the energy is limited. So the fruit really won't be very sweet. It might not be very big. It won't be very tasty. So that's one reason. The other reason is branches. If you prune properly, your branches will get stronger and stronger. They will be able to support a heavy harvest. But if you don't, and you've got a bunch of branches all over the place. They're skinny weakling branches, too much fruit on the branch, boom, it breaks and mm -hmm. hangs down. Every time your branch, a branch breaks, it's an entry point for pests and diseases. It's making your tree less and less healthy. So by thinning the fruit, you're looking at the branch and hopefully you've pruned the tree and it's in your structure that you're looking to create. And you look at that branch and you think, how much weight can this branch hold? And if the fruit grows to full size, does it have or does does it is there enough space in between fruitlets for the fruit to grow full size? Mm. So apricots, for instance, apricot branches can be 
covered with fruitlets and you're so excited when it's the early spring, you think, oh man, I'm going to get a great harvest. Mm. If you leave all the fruit there, half of it falls off anyways, because they smush into each other and then the Mm. hard fruitlets come off. And Mm. then they never really grow to full size because they're all fighting each other for space. Right, right. So thinning, there is so many reasons for thinning. And then going back to pruning, pruning correctly is also part of thinning because yeah. I talked to you about how there's a limited amount Preemptive of Preemptive thinning. <laughs> yeah, yes. it is. By taking yes. away entire branches, we're leaving more energy for the remaining branches to grow longer, to get stronger, and to support better quality fruit. So when you're, when you're uh, thinning the fruit, are you pinching off flowers or are you waiting for the, th- the, the, the fruit to start? Like you said, fruitlet, the, it's beginning to form. Now you know where the fruit's going to be and you make decisions about spacing them and how much load the branch is going to take. Is that the idea? Yeah. So what I do is uh, I try to wait for June drop. What happens is in June, late June, early July, the tree itself says, you know, I got some substandard fruit on here. I'm just going to let it go. It's not going to be my top 10 in fruit production. So all of a sudden you'll see around the bottom of your tree, a whole bunch of fallen fruit. And that's a sign. Okay. June drop has happened. Now it's time to thin the fruit because. Oh, I love that indicator. I do a whole thing about watching, you know, like watch the flower, watch the dandelions and then plant your potatoes when you see dandelions, things like that. So I love that way of doing it. Yes. Yes. So, um, and the other advantage is I've done everything wrong, by the way, Greg. So the reason I know this stuff is just because I made so many mistakes. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. One of the mistakes I've made is I'm all excited. The fruitlets have formed and I want to go and thin the fruit. I go and thin the fruit and realize June drop hasn't happened yet. So more, I, I thin the fruit. And then the rest of the fruit that I left on there drops because maybe it was substandard and I have a very small harvest. So yeah, that's another reason to just hang in there till you see the tree is ejecting the substandard fruit. And like I said, it could happen early July and then, um, yeah, then do your thinning. Okay. So you watch the ground and when you see the fruit on the ground, that's when you make, you know, do, do, do a bit more thinning. Yeah. Okay. That's really good. Um, I guess before we get into particular varieties, I want to ask about uh, fall planting because it's it's an interesting thing because uh, most garden centers they they sell fruit trees and berry bushes in the spring, um, but if you read a lot of literature, a lot of times it'll say the best time to plant is in the fall because there's all this root development. Um, so, um, what have you ever tried fall planting? haven't Uh, i personally prefer spring okay so and but i've been told in certain climates like hotter climates Mm -hmm. um it might be better to do fall planting because you know you plant in the spring and then it gets really hot really fast and these poor little trees don't get to adjust so in hotter climates they may prefer in the fall to plant their bare root trees they've got the winter to kind of settle in before they're sort of you know, a little bit more settled for the spring. And then, Mm -hmm. so there are reasons why people do fall planting. I personally prefer spring and here's why, because I'm in a cooler climate. Um, The spring is nice and wet here. So we plant our tree, it gets lots of natural rain. Plus we need to water our trees regularly when we plant them Mm -hmm. um, until they establish themselves. And beyond that, like establishing can take three years. Um, so, and I like the fact that the tree's roots have 
a whole growing season to establish. Mm. And that by the time the cold winter comes, they're stretched out a little bit more. They're sturdy. They've got mm. a little bit of grounding. And then I won't worry about them so much in the winter. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have never done fall planting. I know oh, lots yeah. of people do it successfully. Just not my thing. I did a, so last, last fall, I reorganized, I realized all my fruit trees in the wrong place. And I moved all my fruit trees and all, almost all my berry bushes, all my blueberry, everything. Okay. I moved everything. What I read was when you see the leaves change, that's when you move because it's done growing, but the, all the uh, energy is going from the tree back down into the roots. And there's actually root development because the soil is not frozen. You got about two months, you know, before the soil starts to freeze and everything shuts down. Um, so that's what I did. I moved all my blueberries and uh, one of them, my sweet 16, which I started as a whip. We tore, we were trying to get out of the ground gently, but it grown so much. We basically ripped it out of the ground uh, and everything grew. Now, I mean, this, uh, I didn't expect much this summer because, you know, we messed the roots up so much. So I didn't get much of a berry harvest and I didn't get any apples at all, but everything's alive and everything grew. There's a mare, you know, so it does, I mean, that wasn't a, I wasn't planting bare root, right? But moving, right? I moved trees in the fall and everything made it. Um, so it's, it's, it's fascinating. But anyway, it's it's not. Well, an thank you for sharing that because I have never. I I try not to move trees, but sometimes you have to. Just and in the wrong, wrong what place you said scientifically makes total sense. So I want to ask you about pawpaws. So you're growing those. Um, another guest I have on here has written some books. A guy named Lee Reich. I don't know if you heard of him, but he grows pawpaws. He's in uh, upstate New York somewhere. So, um, what's the whole? Where did you get them? Um, how long did it take before they were producing fruit? And like, they're uh, they're hardy to your zone, I assume. And what do they taste like? <laughs> well, okay. So we've tried pawpaws a number of times, and I was right. determined to try again. And the park is not huge, but it does have different areas. Pawpaws can tolerate, and they kind of like a little bit of shade, which is great, and they're mm. beautiful trees. So we tried in the west side of the park. We got these little tri tiny pawpaws from a nut nursery in Ontario. See if I can remember what it's called. I can't remember. No, it was it was from Rory's, Rora's Nuts or something like that. I don't know if they still exist. They were tiny little kind of whips, very small, very small. We planted them. They didn't, they, they, they survived a season and they conked out. I think we uh, tried again the next year. They conked out. That was in the same place. So we moved to a different part of the park. And we had <clears throat> some trees donated to us by uh, a person in Toronto who's a real fan of pawpaws. And he wants uh, to he wants pawpaws to take over the world. Yes. So he donated those. We had three. One, all three were, I think all three were vandalized. Oh, Somebody who walked along that path didn't like the pawpaws there, broke them off. Oh. Luckily for us, I look I was brokenhearted, but I looked at that and I thought, pawpaws want a sucker. These guys are gonna do okay. Right, right. So I put a plastic um sort of uh multi it's kind of like a plastic circle around to tell people there is a tree here, the grass cutters, whoever, stay away. So mm. this plastic circle around them, 
they came back. And so they're going to be beautiful, probably multi-stemmed because they were broken. Yeah. Pawpaws take about seven years until you get fruit out of them. Oh, wow. So they take a, a, they take patience, but again, they're beautiful trees as well. Yeah. So it's worth it. Um, and I have tasted pawpaws because I have managed to go to pawpaw tastings okay. where people are sharing the fruit because it right. doesn't transport well. You can't buy it in the supermarket. Yeah, see, so you never see it for sale. So you can't be because it just it's very perishable. Uh, kind of like the another thing I grow in my garden is the uh, Jerusalem artichoke. Oh yeah, um, so yes, that's right. They don't you, sell those. You pick yeah. them and they they start to go uh, like they start to go bad pretty. Not bad, but they they look they don't look good quickly. Yeah, um, you know. So yeah, but anyway. So with pawpaw. yeah, so with pawpaws, they are beautiful. So you the the fruit is sort of like a mango shape. Okay. You cut them open. You've got some different seeds in them, very pretty, shiny, lovely seeds. But to me, it's this velvety, smooth flesh with like like pudding and banana and mango flavor really it's amazing tropical. to think this is a native it's very tropical like but it's a native north american plant wow. so i think it's worth planting but if you're in a rush uh plant other things too because you're gonna have to wait <laughs> you're gonna be waiting yes exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right if you're yeah if you're gonna be planting them when you retire uh uh, stay, yes. stay in shape and eat well exactly <laughs> good <China>. plan <laughs> extend exactly. your life um okay uh this the service berry saskatoon uh so you grow those um how uh, mine did not do well the first couple times first location i planted them was so wet that it's now a pond i just gave up on growing things there i said this this spot wants to be a pond. Why am I trying to make it a garden? Why don't I just make it a huge pond and then I'll have water for my garden. So um, mm -hmm. I moved them to another spot and it's kind of shady. So they're in a spot now, they're actually starting to grow. So they've been in my garden for five years, but they're moved almost every other year. So I keep putting them in these lousy spots. Um, so I got a little bit of fruit this year, but I don't think my experience with them is typical because from from what I understand, they're a, a vigorous, hardy, fast-growing, healthy plant. Um, what has your experience been? Yeah, so we have a number of different uh, service berry or Saskatoon berry trees in our park. My favorite, we had two beautiful multi-stemmed ones, and we got those when they were quite mature. The city got them for us. The park supervisor was amazing. And those ones, even though they weren't planted as whips and whatever, they had big root balls, they were planted and they did great. And one of them is still thriving. The other one, we have had a whole bunch of construction in our park and they had to dig it up and move it. Mm. They moved it to a new site. They probably destroyed so many of the roots. And at first I thought, I thought I wasn't going to make it all together. It has, it's, it's come, it's made a comeback. So they do grow well. Um, however, they do get fungal problems in very oh. dank weather. So they're not, they are very, they can be very easy. Um, if the tree's health is less than optimal, maybe it's not getting enough uh, moisture, the berries aren't going to be as big and juicy as you'd like them to be. So in the early years, uh, we had 
the kids were fighting for the berries. They were so good. They're like little blueberries. They taste like blueberries a They're little like bit. Like a blueberry, are they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. You wait till they go quite purple. So you don't harvest them when they're the red color. You wait till they're purple and they're sweet and yummy. Oh. But then the part of the park where they're in now, there's not a lot of water. We have not irrigated as much as we should. So in the last couple of years, actually, I don't know how it was this year. I didn't notice. But I think they, they've struggled a bit because they do need more. They need enough water, but not so much that they're going to get fungal diseases. But mostly it's a very easy to grow plant. And if you find them in the wild or even in parks in Toronto, they can really thrive and have lovely lots of berries. The, the problem is you eat the berries. You, you don't want to put them in a thing and take them home yeah, yeah, yeah. and make them into muffins because you're just eating them like they're so yummy. How tree-like are they? Like, do they... Like what height? Like yeah, are they like they can get cherries big. would get like a huge sort of almost tree-like type thing. Like a they, like they can get big. So the multi-stem one is big. It's like mm. you know fourteen feet plus. Wow! And it's great multi-stemmed. You know you don't have to prune it. You know it's no no like the maintenance is minimal. Mm. Um, we have others in the park that are in a tree form, which I don't favor. So it's got one trunk and the branches are quite high up. Mm. Um, so what's the point? Like, it's a good tree, yeah. but I would rather have my fruiting branches for the, the service berry closer to the ground. But here's the thing. There are lots of different, um, service berry or Saskatoon berry, uh, varieties or types. Right. And some of them are shrubs. They don't uh, get huge. And I had one for a while in my front yard. We've changed the front yard so many different times for various reasons. Um, but it was great. So I would focus on the shrub-based ones. I wouldn't. I wouldn't waste my time with the tree, because it's hard sense. to get the harvest. I don't know where I got. I, I don't. I think I got mine from Vessi Seeds, but I don't know if they're. Uh, yeah, they have a variety now they sell called Honeywood Saskatoon Berry, but I don't know if there is there's is a bush, or a tree variety, but. Um, I have to say the one, like I've done everything you could do to kill a plant with mine and they're still going. That's great. <laughs> so hopefully maybe this will be the year. I didn't, I thought they were like, I didn't know what they tasted like. I just thought with a name like service berry, how good could they be? I thought they were like what you, what you eat so you don't die. No, um, you know, no, they're you know, yummy. They're very they're good. Yummy. Yeah. They like, um, like this year uh, from Wiffle Tree, I got some has caps, three has caps. And I don't know if you've ever grown has caps. No, I haven't, but I've tasted them. They are incredibly easy to grow. I mean, so I just got whips. I just stuck them in the ground. They've all grown really well. So this is year three. And I got a lot of fruit off of them this year. It's uh, um, kind of a, they don't taste to me anyway. Maybe I picked them too early, but they were tart. So to me, they were like a perfect jam. We love jam and toast and that sort of thing, right? Um, so not like a lingonberry, but like if you could combine a blueberry with a lingonberry, that would be how I describe the flavor of a tartness and a sweetness, perfect jam, but like dead easy to grow, like unbelievably and fast growing and vigorous and healthy. At least the ones I got. That's fantastic. I, I have a friend who does grow them. They had a lot of, um, yeah, you know, they got a little fungally, oh, uh, really? but again, it's different climate. 
Well, where, um, is, where is wet here as it gets? Yeah, I know. <laughs> the which land I'm of fog, like know, they fog. had powdery mildew, I think, or something oh, like that. Goodness. But um, the trick with them, and I know this because I know somebody who planted a lot of them was hoping to sell the harvest at farmers markets is the right they turn ripe right away and then the birds come in and eat them all yes so you have to cover them you have to have a whole system if you're growing lots but if you're growing like three you can always cover it protect it and have a yummy uh harvest that's right it's relatively unsophisticated to uh to get them before they outcompete the birds for them yeah um i was gonna ask uh I guess we're getting towards the end here. I was going to ask about your two books. Um, so, so you've got two books you've written. Why don't you tell us about those, just for those that are interested? Sure. So Grow Fruit Trees Fast, that's my recent book. Okay. And I grew that one. I grew that one. I wrote <laughs> it. I grew it too, actually. Yeah, I suppose, yes. I wrote uh, Grow Fruit Trees Fast for people who are thinking of planting fruit trees or just planted a fruit tree. And who want to know what is the minimum that I need to do to keep this fruit tree healthy and productive. My goal is the best thing for me would be if somebody buys that book before they even plant the tree, because there is a Mm. lot, you got to get a lot of ducks in a row in order to get, be successful with fruit tree care. You got to buy the right trees that are disease resistant, cross pollinating will thrive in your unique conditions that will harvest be harvestable at the right time there's so many things so the first part of the book i talk about choosing the right tree and in the rest of the book i talk about what will you need to do in order to keep that tree healthy and productive with lots of amazing tips and empowering um tricks to do to keep it healthy and productive Mm. that book can be read in one hour because Mm. i know people are busy and i just want to give them the gift of being able to decide Am I in or am I out? Do I want to do this? Because in the beginning of the interview, you talked about how trees are lower maintenance than, you know, for instance, pepper plants, but they're not no maintenance. Not no maintenance, no. And the difference is that with a tree, it can last years and years. If we mess up with our pepper plants, okay, at the end of the year, that was a disappointment. You dig it up, you put in the compost, you throw it away, whatever. Yeah. This tree is a being that will be in your garden forever. And your heart will break every time you look at a sickly, non-productive tree if you mm. don't do the right things in the yeah. early years. Yes. So that's Grow Fruit Trees Fast. People can get it on Amazon. It's not expensive. You can get the ebook version and just mm. read it on your phone mm. or whatever. But that, I just would encourage people, if you're thinking of doing fruit trees, go for that. My other book is called Growing Urban Orchards, and I wrote that as I was going through my adventure, uh, figuring out how to grow fruit trees. Right. So you you hear about my experience, all the mistakes we made, and the lessons we learned. Oh, that's and, great. Yeah, so it's really good. And in, in uh, Growing Urban Orchards, that actually has a section on pruning fruit trees as well. Mm. I talk about pruning in grow fruit trees fast, but I don't teach you the technique because it would take too long for a yeah. one hour read, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. In, in growing urban orchards, you can learn how to prune as well. Okay. So yeah, those are my two books. They're both available on Amazon. That's great that you, uh, you also, I do a lot of that on my YouTube channel as well, where I, I share my failures. <laughs> <laughs> because gardeners fail. I mean, that's a big part of gardening is just 
you know, every year there's a catastrophe and every year you learn from it. Yes. Uh, yes. You know. I have no problem with that because, <laughs> you know, when people call me an expert at free tree care, I always kind of giggle. It's like me, an expert. Right. I have made every mistake in the book <laughs> and I don't mind laughing at myself. And here's the great thing. You can laugh at me too. And you'll never make that mistake because you will always remember, oh, Susan did that. I don't need to do that. I don't need to make that mistake. So um, I'm okay. I'm okay with people knowing about my failures. There's certainly been very lots of them. And the same thing for my online courses. When I teach people, <laughs> I have people who say they really like, I've got a course called Certificate in Fruit Tree Care. It's an eight-hour course. I will take wow. you through everything pruning the trees, selecting the right tree for your purpose, protecting from pests and disease, everything. Mm -hmm. And one of my students wrote me an email and she said, oh my gosh. And one of the, the scenes, because I'm a filmmaker as well, she said, mm -hmm. she said, I laughed so hard. I almost spilled tea all over myself. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's really about, it's not the way I teach and the way I, you know, pass on information is through stories and through experiences, because I know people will just zone out if I say, okay, step one, do this, step two, do that, blah, blah, blah. You get a story with the whole thing. You get to go on a journey with me. You're on your journey while you watch me on my journey. And uh, it seems to work for people. What about your uh, radio show? What's that all about? Oh, my radio show is so much fun. So um, once a month, I have a live radio show that goes yeah. out on realityradio101.com. So people oh, wow. can listen to it live. Mm -hmm. And here's the fun part. This radio show was for me. I wanted to interview people that I admired, experts mm -hmm. in fruit tree care, about all the questions that I had. And so... I got to talk to who, and I do get to talk to whoever I want on any subject I'm interested in. So it goes out live. People can listen live and submit their questions. Mm -hmm. And it sort of builds, my company is called Orchard People, and it builds the Orchard People community. All these people, our experts are all of our experts. They're there mm -hmm. for all of us. It doesn't matter where they live. They will answer all of our questions. And we all learn together. Um, so it goes out as a live show. I then uh, put the podcast up as a recording for people who can't tune in live. Mm -hmm. And then I do a YouTube version where I've got the video of the two of us talking and I edit in photographs and images to illustrate what we're talking about to make it easier to learn. Because we tackle kind of challenging concepts in a, mm -hmm. in a fun way but we'll do things on holistic sprays we'll do things on cover crops we'll go into any little rabbit hole i feel like mm -hmm. and um but get some great information and you'll always leave having listened to the show with some um actionable points that you can try in your own garden and in your own orchard and the youtube what's the name of your youtube channel so it's the Orchard People YouTube channel. So the if you Orchard Google People. YouTube Orchard People, uh, you should find my YouTube channel. Okay, so it's not it's not your name. It's no, it's sorry. under you. It's under all of my stuff. So my website is orchardpeople.com. Okay. The YouTube is Orchard People, and my radio show um is currently called the Urban Forestry Radio Show and Podcast. Because it started years ago when I was also I'm a, a certified arborist and I thought I was going to do more arboriculture. 
too bad. I just got so interested in fruit trees. I hardly ever talk about arboriculture. So the podcast name will be changing in January for my 100th episode. Mm. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be called Orchard People Radio. Yeah, Orchard so People Radio. Yeah, okay. Might yeah, as well be exactly. consistent. Yeah, that's, that's a big move. I've been thinking about changing the name of my all my stuff because it's not really I don't talk about being in the Maritimes much. Um, it's more about like, um, I don't know, I've been playing with different names, but more about what I'm doing rather than where I am. Exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And, but it was so terrifying of change. You know, you've got a nice little logo and yes, <laughs> and you got your, you know, uh, yeah. What would I, you know, what did, what did, what I lose people? What I gain people, all that sort of stuff. But I really don't think maritime gardening tells anybody what the show's about. Yeah. Um, Cause you and I, we weren't talking about growing food in Newfoundland or, you know, PEI or New Brunswick or Nova Scotia today. Yes, yes, <laughs> so you're right. It's just not about that, right? Yeah. Uh, just, just what I started with because that's just where I was at the time. Yes. Um. So very good. All right, great, Susan. It's been great. Uh, all of the uh, different uh, things she mentioned at the end of the video, I'm going to get uh, you send me some links and I'll put them up in the show notes Perfect. and the description box of YouTube. So just send me an email. I think. I'm, I think you might have already. It's actually in my email signature okay. uh, that I've got. Oh, okay. I should have everything, okay. um, but I can send it to you again tomorrow or something. All right. um, that's great. Thank you so much for for promoting uh, that. And um, yeah, thanks for the interview. That was a you got you put me through quite the workout there. <laughs> but I really appreciate chatting with you. All right, great, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this video and if or this YouTube this uh, podcast. If you did, please. Like, share, subscribe, and until next time, get out there, get at it, have fun in your garden. Susan, thanks a lot. <laughs> See you. Take care. Great. Hey, if you want to help support everything I'm doing here, go to Vessies.com to buy whatever you need for your garden this year. Use my coupon code GAVS23 to get free shipping as long as there's a pack of seeds in the order and there's no oversized items in the order. Check out the description box of this video for details. You can buy everything you need from Vessies. They have seeds fruit bushes and trees, soil amendments, pest solutions, tools, clothing, and lots of other stuff too. So yeah, if you want to help support everything I'm doing here and they sell something you need, buy it from them using my coupon code and happy gardening.